audio revolution continues. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the MMA edition as we load up the syringe for another lethal injection of that performance enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, in fact, the voice that you hear just about ready to release yet another dose of combat audio you won't want to miss as the great King Mo, Muhammad Lawal, returns to recap his 15-second KO loss to Ryan Bader in the Bellator World Grand Prix Heavyweight Tournament and help preview this weekend's fights, including UFC Fight Night Liverpool and Bellator 200 in London, England, my CBS Sports colleague Brandon Wise will also stop by to share some audio he collected at a recent American Top Team Media Day in South Florida, including some flashy comments from welterweight contender Colby Covington, a chat with former heavyweight King Junior Dos Santos, and a very interesting few minutes with NFL lineman turned MMA fighter Greg Hardy, who continues to make headlines both positive and negative after signing with UFC. And as always, a reminder that if you hear like what you hear today, please do do us that solid and pay it forward with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume fine audio. Look, it just takes 60 seconds to share your take Share a couple words on why you like the show. It goes a long way, believe me. And check out our other ITC offerings this week, including our Pro Wrestling The Week That Was takedown. And believe me, we'll have a lot to say after a very rough start to the week for WWE. Also have a special sit-down with the one and only Moral Ronaldo ahead of Friday's Showtime documentary, The Bipolar Rock and Roller. Great stuff to come indeed. But hey, without any further ado, let's get right to the action the audio revolution continues right now. Enjoy. Oh, yeah. King Mo, TBC, coming back at you. King Mo is here to face the music, coming off a very tough loss to Ryan Bader and the Bellator World Grand Prix Heavyweight Tournament. King Mo, always appreciative of you coming in and, and just bearing your soul, sharing it all with us. We had a lot of our listeners behind you heading into this fight. Obviously, a 15-second KO loss was not part of your plans. Tell us uh, what happened in there, man. Okay, um, the bell rings. I'm feeling good. Um, I think I cooled down a little bit, but I felt good. So I go out there, throw a jab to the stomach, come up short, come up. I throw another jab. He's throwing some. I don't. I see him throwing some, but I thought he was going to go over my head or miss me because he's still kind of high. But as I was throwing with him, he's sitting down too. He caught me the left hook, right on the chin. Um, it stumbled me, so I was going. I, was, I started falling backwards, fell to my butt. He runs at me, and I try to turn in. His knee, I think his left knee, is one something hit me in my head. And wow, that happened so fast! I didn't even see the knee in real time. Yeah, I, I, I can show. I can send you. A, I can show you a clip. But the thing is, if you watch the coach, I'm like, what hurt me? Nothing. I watched the ground and pound. Nothing hit me besides one shot to like the top of. The top part behind my head, behind the ear, but that was it. And then I was I was coming too because I saw him throw a few shots and I saw the fist go over my shoulder, but nothing hit me. So um, I right when the fight ended, I go to my cut man. Uh, I think it's Matt Martin. My, I might butcher his name, Matt. And I'm like, man, Matt, I, I got headbutted, man. Did you see that? And he's like, nah, man, you got punched. I was like, nah, I got headbutted. So I watched the th- I watched the clip and I see myself go down. And then from the first angle, you see him just jump on me. And throw throw quick punches, but you don't see him land. Well, then I just walk out the ring. Then I'm I'm, I'm backstage. My boy's like, Mo, you got a knee in the head. I'm like, What do you mean? He's like, Watch the second angle. And I'm like, Whatever. I'm not gonna watch it. He's like, No, nah, watch it. So I didn't watch it for a few days. Then my boy sends it to me, and I see the knee. And I'm like, Okay, because it made because it, it made no sense. 
So when I saw the knee, I, I hit up the cut man. I was like, hey, watch this. This is what I was talking about because when I was my butt, I thought it was a headbutt because it, it just felt weird. It felt like I saw him coming, and all of a sudden it was like a bunch of commotion, and then I see fist going to my shoulder. Oh, my shoulder. So and then the I punch didn't finish you is what you're saying. The, the left hook, which was a, a great punch from Bader, dropped you, but you weren't yeah. out until he rushed forward and collided his knee with your head. Yeah, because you see when he jumps on me, he actually goes over me. He goes past me and then comes back and throws some th- throws like three or four quick punches, and that's it. But what can you do? You you know, dude, that, that is almost the perfect representation of – Heavyweight MMA, this is what happens when you got big boys throwing. This is what happens. And look, certainly, I got emotionally attached to this fight doing the show with you. A lot of our listeners did, and it was heartbreaking for us to see that for you. For a fighter, though, you know the risk coming in. You've suffered losses before by knockout. How tough was this one, though, when you really didn't get a chance to show all that hard work you put in, considering you're coming off of a year-long layoff, your hips recovering, you had yeah. a lot you wanted to prove. How tough is that to swallow? It was tough, you know, really. Um, it would have been tougher if, if – no, it would have been easier if I always got knocked out, like, for real, like, with some, with some punches, you know. If I got, but it, what the tough part is that I got need, you know what I'm saying, and it's part of the game, but, you know, um, I don't know. I You know, my hat's off to Ron Bader for getting the victory and getting the job done, but, you know – I don't know. It's just part of the game, man. So the idea of where, how do you regroup? Where does King Mo go from here? You didn't take time to simmer over this. And and maybe this is part of, I guess, the grieving process in, in terms of taking a loss. But you had a plan ready. You announced after this fight, my future's at 185. We know you're a money weight guy, but you're a longtime light heavyweight who every time you've moved up to heavyweight, for the most part, you've had success. But now in your late 30s, you're saying, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, restart this. I'm going to reinvent the wheel. I'm going down to middleweight. Is this for real, King Mo? Well, yeah, we're going to do a Dexter scan because I, I thought about it and it sounded like a good idea until the, the, one of my guys that was, helped me with my, my surgery was like, Mo, it's, you could probably do it, but don't forget you got titanium in your hip. So now you get to lose a little more muscle, a little, a little more um, water weight. So uh, he's like, just think about it. So, I was going to get a DEXA scan, but I, I can't get the DEXA scan because I have metal in my hip. So I'm going to do an ultrasound um, body composition test to see where I'm at because I'm always – I'm always um, – um, my fat percentage is always low. I weighed in at 217, but come fight time, I was 209. <laughs> I, I just – you know, I'm, I can't keep that white weight on, but at the same time, I, you know, I want to see where – I want to be the type of guy that becomes the vanishing man that we took a loss and all of a sudden be like, you know what, I'm going down a weight class. I'm still in money weight. Um, hopefully they'll give me a fight in September. Um, I'm gonna get back to training in about a few weeks. Um, I'm gonna go back to the gym, uh, next week and, uh, I'm gonna start, you know, uh, getting back to work. That's get, about it. Getting back at it. Do you yep. think if you can make 185 though, that this is realistic? What, what, what would King Mo look like at middleweight? This is something we've never even thought of. Uh, I don't know. We're gonna find out. You know, I'm, I'm gonna get the dick scan test first and then, uh, um, go from there. Cause I don't wanna try to, um, I, I can make it, but I don't want to start losing muscle mass and then uh, over and because in California, I'm probably fighting more in California. So if I overhydrate, because when I wrestled, I did make 184. But when I competed, I always competed weighing 210. It was weird because I competed heavier than what I walked around at from, for for some reason. In California, if you rehydrate too much, eventually they'll tell you to go up a weight class. So I don't want to do all that hard work. 
make weight, and all of a sudden they tell me, hey, man, you overhydrated twice. The first time the warning, second time's a fine, and you cannot fight at 185 no more. You stick to 205. That means that I would tore my body down to make a weight class, then go back up to a weight class. My body's already been weakened. So I'm going to do it the scientific way, not just, you know, um, just, just any – regular way i'm gonna do it the scientific way and, and come up to come up to a conclusion because you know the fears you we saw what it happened to roy jones and chris bird when late in their career they tried to move down in weight it doesn't work for everyone yeah yeah it doesn't work for everyone but at the same time like i'm i'm small at 205 right now as you speak i'm 207 you know what i'm saying um i i don't know i just can't keep the weight on um it is what it is man all right, well, all right, all right. To, to put the finishing touch on this fight, which happened, of course, at Bellator 199 in San Jose two weeks ago, what was your game plan? What did you not get a chance to show? How were you going to win that fight? Oh, went behind a jab um, with a few takedowns. Other things I'm not going to mention, but just uh, body shots. I, man, I, I was trying to get my get my range down, then get to my rhythm. Because I want to get my range down first because of a longer reach, and then get in my rhythm because my rhythm will always come. But I didn't get a chance to get into it because Bader just threw that left hook, which, like, I, it was a good shot, but I wasn't sure that he thought that it was going to land. I think he just threw it just to throw it because when he landed it and I, and I started stumbling back because I was trying to keep my balance, I saw him moving backwards. He was going he, – he took, like, two steps backwards, you know what I'm saying? I, I think he just – I think he threw it because he was like, okay, let me, let me see what I can – you know, let me see what's there. And he just threw it. And, it, and he, he, he landed a good shot. I didn't see it coming until – I saw him throwing it, but I didn't see I, I, I didn't see him shorten the hook up. He threw a short hook. Usually, not many fighters in MMA throw short hooks. They throw them wide. He did a good job with that. Well, this was a, a statement performance, of course, from Bader. He'll move on to face Matt Mitrione. In your opinion, is this Bader telling the rest of the tournament, I am now the favorite? Is, can, you, can you get behind that statement? Uh, I, I'm, I don't know. We can find out, we'll find out the next round, how he does versus Matt Mitrione and how um, um, Chael and Fedor look. So versus okay, Mitrione, there's the, the idea of striker versus wrestler here, right? I mean, Mitrione's weakness is on the ground. Can Bader take it there? Do you think this is a fight Bader can lay and pray and control and win? Well, he, he can take him down. It's just that um, how will he do um, versus Southpaw? I do good versus Southpaw. That's why I was ready for it. But if you watch this fight versus Noguera, Noguera was actually touched him up um, earlier in the fight because uh, just the angle. And Matt Mitrione's a, a – a bigger, more athletic version of Noguera and probably carries more pop. Now, as far as hands, Noguera's hands are way cleaner, but Matt Mitchell has more tools. True, true. I liked after the fight, you, you were humble. You congratulated Bader over social media. He basically said, hey, it's been great competing against you for 18 years, of course, going back to your college wrestling days. What about you and Mitrione, though? Because Fight Week brought out some venom from both sides. King Mo and Mitrione were throwing, throwing darts at each other here. We good? What's going on? I, I, honestly, I think he's just a little arrogant. You know, he can talk about me all he wants, see what he wants, but people, people, people that, people that know me, like, on these interviews and stuff like that, uh, yeah, I might come off arrogant, but people that know me don't kn know that I'm not, you know what I'm saying? When I've been around Matt, it seems cool, but just some of the stuff I've, I've seen and, you know, I, I think that he, he feels like, you know, he come, he came to Bellator from the UFC, which is cool, whatever, but, uh, I feel like he feels like he's owed something. That's about it. Is this is this all connected to Roy Nelson in your history there, or was this just a separate beef where he was like, what, no, "What's Mo not. talking about? Thinking he's going to take me out in the next round?" Because he's mad because I stated the obvious. I thought that I thought that him versus versus uh, Roy should win an extra round because I thought that the third round was a ten eight round. He didn't like that. He he's used to people saying 
oh, you're the best. Well, no, but no. The fight was 10-9-10-9-10-8 for Roy. Should win an extra fourth round. That's all I said. A lot of people agree with me. And he got mad because I, sp- I spoke it. That's about it. You spoke it. And, you, I, you and I, I hope I get a chance to fight him because I'd love to fight him. Well, that's what I was getting to here. You want to come back in September. You're not sure if it'll be 185. We know you're always ready to go to heavyweight. You know, you're a moneyweight guy. You're going where the opportunity is. Is, is a grudge been built there? Is this a future? You know, let's say Mitrione loses to Bader. Could we see Mo Mitrione down the road? Do you want that? Yeah, I, I, I hit up Scott Coker. I said I want to fight Mitrione. So let's make it happen. 185 so op, so option I'm going to get the dick scan. But before I go down, my goal is to fight Matt Mitrione. Straight up. Wow. Wow. Love it. Love it. I think there's plenty of opportunities for you in the future at Bellator. A lot of names there. A lot of names we could see coming over if they exit UFC. It's an interesting time for sure. But the tournament, the Bellator Grand, World Grand Prix will roll on. We'll see Chael and Fedor on one side, Mitrione and Bader on the other. Sorry to see your exit, King Mo, but it was an exciting fight for as long as it lasted. King Mo, didn't turn into much, but yeah. as we roll on, we got some news to get to. We got some cards to preview. I'm going to be in New York City later today ahead of this Moro Ronaldo documentary that's going to air on Showtime on Friday night. Of course, Mo is the voice of all things combat sports from WWE to Bellator MMA to to Showtime boxing going all the way back to Pride and Strike Force. Glory kickboxing, if it's happened, Moro yeah. Ronaldo is there. I want to know yeah. if you have any personal anecdotes to add because this movie, of course, is called The Bipolar Rock and Roller, the documentary on Moro's battle with bipolar disease. You've got history with Strike Force. You got any Moro Ronaldo stories to share with us? No, I worked with Invicta um, earlier um, when Invicta first started. I think, I honestly think Poly Mal- I mean, not Poly Malignaggi, Moro Ronaldo and Poly Malignaggi is a great team. But I think um, Mauro Ronaldo is the best color commentator in anything. Like, play-by-play, anything, pro wrestling, kickboxing. I love him in boxing more than anything. I love him in boxing and pro wrestling. MMA is good, but for some reason, just I, he just blends in real good. I love him in boxing. I, I think the way people in boxing t- speak about him, he's more respected in boxing than he is in MMA, which is crazy. Yeah, considering the history he has, especially in Pride. I mean, when I think Mauro Ronaldo, I think Pride. Well, I, well, I think Marwan Nalo, I think everything now. I think pro wrestling, pride, kickboxing, boxing. Next thing you know, I'd be like, you know, what's that? What's that? Um, arm wrestling? Yeah. MMA arm wrestling? He might be doing that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you never know, uh, X-arm, man. X arm. He might, you know, he, he's, he's so versatile. And the thing is, as he's entertained people with his words and his, and, and his, um, and his, um, his ad libs, he's dropping history and facts as well. He'll, he'll be like, Oh, great head movement, prior, like, similar to the head movement of Willie Pep. And, you know, people are like, who's Willie Pep? They'll go on YouTube or and look him up. Or they'll go on uh, Wikipedia look him up. But I like the fact he brings brings in the old with the new yeah. as far as analogies. It's such a unique style. I think the best thing you can say is he handles the big moments. Some people get annoyed by his shtick. It's, it's whether you like it or not. But when the moment happens, whether it's pro wrestling, MMA, or boxing, he rises to that level to provide a soundtrack to it. You know, when somebody gets knocked down, when Fedor and Mitrione do that double knockdown last year, he yeah. embraces those moments and rises to the occasion, maybe unlike anyone else. So I encourage everyone to check out that doc. It's Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern on Showtime. Also to check out my interview with him on this podcast later this week. I'll be in New York City today to sit down with him. Very much looking forward to that. Mo is a very good guy. We're going to see a very raw look, King Mo. At what mental, you know, disorder can be like and, and bipolar disorder. And, uh, I credit 
King Mo, I'm sorry, I credit I, King Mo, Mo Ranallo as a King Mo as well. I credit him for putting it out there because it's a very raw, in, intensive look into what he goes through. But King Mo, yeah. we got some fight cards to preview this week, also some other things in the news. Later on in this show, we will have sound with heavyweight Greg Hardy, the former NFL defensive end. My colleague Brandon Wise was at the ATT Media Day and caught up with him. We know that, that Greg Hardy is going to enter this UFC Contender Series June 12th going to fight another former NFL player in Austin Lane. I know you're close with Greg Hardy. How ready is he for the UFC level? Uh, he's ready for pretty much any level. He's a good athlete. Um, he's powerful, explosive. He's green, though. That's the only thing. He's green. But the thing is, like, you would not know that by watching him hit mitts or anything. You watch, you, you know, you wouldn't know that he's green by watching him do anything because he's, he's too so fast. I remember the first day he got to the gym, I gave him a, a pair of gloves, a pair of 18s, because I was like, look, man, you're a big dude. Here's your gloves. Here's a pair of 18s. You can't wear 16s no more. You know what I'm saying? Because it was his first day he had 16s on, and I was watching him uh, hit mitts, and I was like, man, that guy's explosive. I was like, if he can, if he is, if he can develop some endurance, he's going to be hard to deal with. Then after months passed, a few more months passed, I started to see him slim down. I see him doing the wrestling classes. See him trying to do the jujitsu classes, trying to, but he's catching on. I'm, I see him do a lot of stuff, and uh, it's just, you know, um, it's actually kind of crazy that uh, now after it's been a year or less than a year, and he's has a chance to make it to a bigger organization. Yeah, three three amateur fights, all knockouts, but the obviously the level of competition can't tell you too much about him. But this will be his pro debut. This will be, I mean, UFC's kind of rolling the dice and taking a low risk gamble. It seems, and I say low risk, but you never know. The 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 whole you know domestic violence stuff are negative headlines. This is a very sensitive time, of course, and a good way for that for that type of negativity to be out there. But I like that Hardy's going to get a chance to to turn his name around. To show that that he's a you know redeemed person, and it's going to be interesting to see though how he's received. Whether people are going to hold on to the negativity in the past or give him a chance at a second chance story. Well, it's, it's like this: if he came to Bellator, he would got murdered. Bellator got murdered for signing him. Let's be one hundred. He would, they would got murdered by so Bellator, but he's going to the UFC. But the thing is, I I personally feel like if anybody's willing to put in that work and they're willing to show they've changed, give him the chance. Like, he tried in football. They didn't give him another chance for some reason. Now he's in a different sport. He's in MMA. Give him a chance. Like, you know, he's made mistakes years ago, right? Years ago. He's grown. I've talked to him. He's growing up. He's grown. He's still young, but he's still growing. And the thing about team sports, in team sports, there's no truth. There's no, like, there's not much accountability because you have 10 other people backing you up. But in MMA, it's all about accountability because it's just you and maybe your coaches are telling you what to do. But it's, it's ultimately up to you when you step in the cage. So with Greg, now he's in the MMA. He realizes, okay, it's up to me. So now he has to make, he has to make the right decisions in MMA in the cage as well as outside the cage. And I think they realize that. And where in football and basketball, you can get away with certain things because you're part of a big team and, you know, you have other people to mask and be there to step up for you. But MMA, no. I feel like sometimes – Outside the cage, it mimics how you are inside the cage. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for him because he doesn't have that amateur wrestling background like Lesnar. He doesn't have the boxing background like you know, Francis Ngannou who made the made the transition. You know, we'll see if just the raw athleticism can translate. If he can grow quickly along the well, way and, and pick up. Skills. Here's the thing: like Ngannou, as far as and boxing background, I don't think he had much of a boxing background. To be honest with you, because if he did, he would been able, he would learn how to boxers. 
start off slow, they pace themselves like Stipe. They start off slow, they get the, get the range. And Ganu never shown me a good jab. He just goes, he's, he's a guy that's athletic, that has the tools, and still learning how to, how to be effective with these tools, just like Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy has tools, but he's, he's still working with them. He's still trying to figure out what type of fighter he is, but he's a dangerous fighter where if you're in front of him, he's dangerous at any time, just like Nganu. Um, my only worry is that he he have success real quick, but they might get might get you know run some more experience and might have confidence issues after that loss. The thing is, I feel like I'm hoping I know he's gonna beat the guy he's fighting, and I'm hoping that the UFC moves him along slow so he can so he can have a good long career. UFC moves somebody slow. That just doesn't happen, King Mo. Once you once they see dollar signs, and believe me, whether you love or hate Greg Hardy's story, people are gonna watch this. There's no question. Yeah, yeah but, but what what I mean with slow is. Not so, but let me get the Conor McGregor treatment in a sense. Like, hey, he's a stri- he's a guy, a striker. Put him against another striker that that has a, a reach in or a slow. Okay, he's facing a wrestler. Put him against a wrestler that's not that explosive and can't punch. Okay, he's facing a jiu-jitsu guy. Okay, let's put him against a jiu-jitsu guy that has okay kicks but can't punch but has decent submissions. So he can get a little taste of everything. So by the time his sixth fights come, eighth, seventh fights come, he's seen every style or most of the styles that are out there, you know what I'm saying, that he could face. True. That's what I mean, you know. If he doesn't see that, if he goes out there blasting people, say he knocked this guy out in the first round. Then he knocks the next guy out in the first round. Just like Ngannou, what happens when he goes to the second round? Because don't forget, people, these fights he's doing are three-minute rounds. So he's getting him out of there. He hasn't even gotten five minutes yet. So what happens when he goes past five minutes? Just like Ngannou, what happens? That's why it's, it's, I'm, it's imperative that they move him at the right pace. Very, very true. Interesting. will be interesting to see. I'm sure that will get uh, plenty uh, of ratings to just see him step in there in a pro bout. King Mo, Friday night, we will see Bellator 200 from from Wembley in London, England. On the Paramount Network, of course. I got a problem with this, though. It's taped delayed in prime time on the Paramount Network. And I got a problem, which I said from the beginning. Bellator 200 is a landmark card. I mean, seriously, Bellator, the, the, the 1B promotion in MMA next to UFC, 200 is supposed to mean something while this card is good. It's far from great. And it took a hit when Mirko Krokop's undisclosed injury pulled him yesterday from the heavyweight rematch with Roy Nelson that was set to main event the card and also produce an alternate for this World Grand Prix tournament. Now, again, card's pretty good. Not great. I expected more for Bellator 200, and I expected it live, King Mo. What are, what are your boys doing right now with this? Well, I don't know. I think it's a different country and, you know, the broadcast reasons. But the thing is, like, Bellator ain't like the UFC. Like, the numbers don't mean nothing. Just the matchups do. Because Bellator 100 was, a good, was good because they, they, made, they had New York. Bellator 200, like, it's cool, but, like, I, I, for some reason, I think Bellator was a little different with the numbers. You know, um, personally, I wish they'd get, get rid of the numbers. They just call it, have it Bellator, you know, um, Bellator Presents, Roy Nelson versus Krokop. Like, do it like boxing does. Because could you imagine if Al Heyman was like, okay, PBC 33 or PBC 41? <laughs> you're right. You're right about that. Or top rank 175. Like, get rid of the numbers. Because what happens when you get to 1,000? Wait, wait. Bellator 1000, 1011, you know, how's that sound? You know, like, they got to get rid of this, the whole number, thing, even the UFC number thing is getting kind of stupid. Two, UFC 231. Like, come on, like, how dumb does that sound? Just, UFC and Bellator, do you change that and put the fighters, the main event fighters? So it could be, let's say, 
Golden Boy Presents Ortiz versus Liddell. That sounds better than Golden Boy One. Very true. Very true. But what we do have in place of Crow Cop Roy Nelson, of course, Sensei Roy is looking for a last-minute opponent as we speak. Not sure if he will stay on that card in London, England, which, by the way, will be called by the great Moro Ronaldo, who will be jumping on a plane in just a couple days. We will see, though, a middleweight championship bout that's been bumped up to the main event when Rafael Carvalho defends against Gegard Mousasi. Now, this is a very interesting matchup, King Moen. If you're Gegard, which was a big free agent signing for Bellator, no question about it, but is coming off that debut where he fought through an eye injury and then hung on for unanimous decision against Alexander Shlomenko, the former champion, last October in a fight that very few people thought Mousasi actually won. Yet here he is in a title fight. I think he suddenly has a lot to prove in this that he's worthy of this type of, you know, push and free agent signing and that he can go over the top and win the title in this promotion. Yeah, um, it's going to be a tough fight for him. I think, I think, um, going to come down to game plan. Carvalho's not a small guy. Um, Carvalho's weak point would be on the ground, but I think he might have enough ground. His stand-up, it's going to come down to, I don't know who can land first, who can land and be more effective with the jab and with their range. Because they're both kind of long. They're both tall. They both can kickbox. I think Carvalho has better Muay Thai, but you know it's a little different more because of the knees. But I think Musasi has just a better kickboxing style for at range. So uh, I don't know if it's going to be an interesting fight, man. It's going to be interesting. Carvalho lost his pro debut in 2011 and then has run off a 15-fight win streak. He's unbeaten in Bellator. He's made three defenses of that middleweight championship that he won from Brandon Halsey three years ago. He's a tough fighter. This is no question about it. But matchup-wise, you have to think Musasi is the favorite here, correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, just off a name, yeah, and, and who he's fought. But at the same time, you just never know because people thought that, you know, um, matchup-wise. Uh, uh, Shomenko, right? No, not Shomenko. Matchup-wise, when you look at Lorenz Larkin versus Lima, everyone's like, Lorenz going to kill him. Remember, everybody thought that. Everybody thought that Musasi's going to kill Shomenko. Everybody thought that Ben Hens- Henson would come in and beat the smaller pit bull, smash him. It's not really like that. It just it depends on the the style and the game plan. Um, Carvalho is very, is kind of long, orthodox. He has good kicks, good knees, and he's a, a awkward rhythm, the awkward style that can give people problems. And it gave Melvin Manhoff issues. Brand the first time they fought, that Melvin won. Second time, Carvalho came and showed that he's the goods. Um, that weight class is, is getting is getting more interesting because now you see um you see um the guy from Oklahoma the jujitsu guy um Rafael Lovato um, Lovato definitely uh, you see Salter Salter there um Joe Harris might be going there is still there or might be going down to one seventy who knows hell I might be there if, if this next, whoa if whoa this, whoa get ready yeah yeah if, if this ultrasound thing comes off right and uh, and and I have the and I have the weight to lose I might be there so wow imagine you know, imagine a rematch. Of Gegard Mousasi and King Mo, this time for the Bellator Middleweight Championship, not for the Strike Force Light Heavyweight Championship, which King Mo took a decision from Mousasi eight years ago. King Mo, wow, Mousasi somehow is only 32, yet eight years ago you guys fought for that belt. Imagine a rematch right there. Yeah, yeah, Mousasi's been in the game for a while, man. He's been, he's a true vet, you know what I'm saying? Uh, still a top level fighter, so, you know, I'm gonna have to get, I have to get this, 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 uh, ultrasound thing done to test my body fat and everything, so, we can see, so I can see what, um, what's going on from there. Once I get the results, I'll let you know. Was that I'll the show. best night of King Mo's career, April seventeenth, twenty ten, in Nashville? Was that the the mountaintop? Uh, nah, nah, because really, 
Honestly, I haven't thought about that day. Once the day passes, once I'm done with that, I just move forward. I don't like to dwell on anything good or bad from the past. I just move forward. I honestly think my 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 best day was the first time I came back from my from my staff infection because I would never thought I'd fight again after that staff infection, you know. And 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 it's crazy because I'm 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 fighting still. And when I think back at that time when I had the staff infection, I was in the hospital and I had the the wound back and the tubes and in my arm and my tubes in my knee. I never thought like you know even the doctor was like Mo, you know um, you know hopefully you'll come you know you you might you might not be able to come back again, but hopefully you know. You won't lose your leg, and you'll be healthy, and you can get back to a normal life. I never thought I'd fight again. He told me that, you know, when we're face to face. And I thought that I thought it was over for me. Wow, wow, the inside story. I love it. I love it. King Mo, our co-main event now will be welterweights MVP Michael Page. Right? He's back. We have uh, not. We did not see him in 2017. We know he did have a pro boxing debut during that time. He's back against the Caveman David Rickles. Interesting fight here. Rickles has won three of four. The only loss was a knockout loss to Melvin Gillard that was overturned due to a, a failed drug test. Now we will see him stepping up into a, a much more dangerous fight here against MVP. What do you want to see from MVP here to know that, that he's back, that he's the same dynamic talent we ever thought he was, unbeaten? Uh, just if, if you see him dancing around and smiling, going to the cage, going to the cage or during media day or or just during the fight week, then that's that's the MVP that we're used to seeing, especially with me. The MVP dancing, you know, having fun. If he can do that, then he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna have a good night. But at the same time, like Caveman is a tough he's a tough fighter, but he might be undersized for the for this move up because MVP is a big guy. He's like six two. Like I think he's an eighty inch reach. You know, um I try telling people that like at the gym I remember when um, when Masvidal was gonna fight Wonderboy. I was like, Masvidal, you want to get somebody get get MVP? He's legit. Oh no, he's an adult. I'm like, no, bro, MVP is legit. He's better than I, straight up as far as stand up wise. He's he's levels above a Wonderboy. Just if you if you if you if you have a chance when we get when we get out this uh, podcast, go to YouTube and Google MVP Michael Venom Page versus um, the guy from a. Uh, I just went blank on his name. Uh, Bellator kickboxing. Um, the champ. Uh, ah, wait, I went blank on his name. Which guy uh, are you talking about here? The 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 champ at Bellator kickboxing. Um, the one that did all the flashy kicks. Uh, we're not talking about Joe Schilling, right? No, no, no. The other no, no he's a weight class below Joe Schilling. Uh, he does spin. He does all the flashy kicks. I just went blank on his name. Right. But right. him and MVP have been in the finals of the top freestyle karate. Um, tournaments, you'll see him, see him up there. But um, I went blank on his name. But uh, this guy's phenomenal, and MVP's shown that he's top level. Are you talking about Raymond Daniels? Raymond Daniels, yes. Raymond Daniels was the man. I remember watching WCL, the World Combat League, with Chuck Norris, and Raymond Daniels was killing everybody. There was like the Roy Jones Jr. of WCL, Raymond Daniels, and I, I was like, man, who is this? So I'm like, who is Raymond Daniels? Never heard of him. So I just don't watch him on that show. When YouTube got bigger, that's when you could see 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 some of his work. But MVP is on that level, maybe a notch below. But as far as like freestyle, stand up, kickboxing, MVP is one of the best. 
It'll be interesting. So MVP last fought November 2016. It has been a long journey. Like I said, took that one pro boxing debut last October in between. But that fight was the split decision against Fernando Gonzalez, which wasn't this is the first humbling moment in his rise. He had been flashy knockout, flashy submission, you know, each step of the way. This was the, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. He's going to have to prove, though, that those wrinkles are, are ironed out, correct? Yeah, yeah, but, but you can't forget, Fernando has had over 50 fights, just about. And Fernando, I've known Fernando for years. Fernando was training before I started training. Uh, he used to train with Dan Henderson. So Fernando's seen it all. You know, he used to, used to spar with Cyril Diabate. He trained, spar with everybody, so... When he went out there, Fernando was like, I'm not going to chase this guy and get countered. Fernando had a good game plan. And then the third round came, and Fernando was like, all right, now I got to go for it. And put him against the cage. And really, he might have – I think he won one round. I thought MVP won two. Split decision, I don't know. But if it was a five-round fight, it could have been a little different because Fernando started coming on in the third round. But, you know, um, MVP is going to be tough to beat for anybody in three rounds. Oh, yeah. And once once he realizes how to manage his style for five rounds – He's gonna be even harder to beat then, and people people don't realize like they they think just because he's in the, in the Bellator he's not good, but the guy is six two six three. Yeah, six three welterweight, eight, not bad. Yeah, eighty inch reach. You know what I'm saying? Longer than me. You know what I'm saying? I've worked out with him before. He's pretty strong. His ground game ain't that bad. I mean, he's, he's he's like his ground game is actually pretty good. Not it's not it's not like nothing nothing like you know like like you know Henzo Gracie it's a Hoist Gracie like but. It's getting it's getting better. He's got a submission win more than me. I've seen him submit people in practice, um, and he's working his hands too. So the moment he gets the moment he gets his jab going, man, people won't even get, be able to get to him. He has the he has the knee. He has the punches. The, he's working his hands, and he has the kicks, and he has the weird style and rhythm and the the movement that keeps you stuck there, wondering should I attack or should I just flee. Yeah, I feel like this is in all kinds of a wrong matchup for David Rickles and will give MVP a chance to shine in his home country of England. But then we want to see him step up. Then we want to see him really climb that title ladder and see what he can do. Interesting fight. The other big fight to note on this card is from your old division, or will it be your old division? We don't know yet. Light heavyweight, when former champion Phil Davis faces Linton Vassell, you, you would think the winner of this will get close to another opportunity at that title. Who do you like in this one? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Um, Lynn, Lynn, he's come up a loss, but at the same time, he's a big, strong guy. Pretty good ground game. Uh, it's a three round fight. Phil, always a good game plan. He's big, strong, long. They're, I don't know. It's experience wise, goes to Phil. Um, skill, skills and tools, I feel like they're on the same level. I think Phil might be a little more polished, but Lynn is dangerous. You know, he, 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 he can do stuff. He find, finds ways to win. So, um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Both lost to Ryan Bader last year. Of course, Davis lost the title to Bader at Madison mm-hmm. Square Garden last June. Problem was, that was a split decision in which five rounds they got booed out of the building. If Davis beats Litton Vassell, he kind of moves back into the title picture. But who's clamoring for Ryan Bader, Phil Davis 3, King Mo? I don't think anybody. I think that's kind of a problem. Well, I'd, I'd fight I'd fight the winner. <sighs> Why not? I'll well, fight the winner. I'll, I'll fight the winner because... Because that'll be good, me me versus the winner, and then the winner could fight Bader or whatever, or the or me versus the winner, then let me fight Matt Mitchell, then let me fight whoever. 
I got, I'm down to do that. You know who you should fight in your comeback fight? You got unfinished business with Emmanuel Newton. Somebody get this guy on the hardcore kid on line one, all right? Let's, let's make that trilogy fight happen. Well, I, I, where, I, where's he at? Is he still fighting? I, I haven't seen anything about him. But Unfortunately, he, to be honest, he has lost six of his last seven. He hasn't fought since last October when he when he went to Russia and it took a knockout loss. It's been a, it's been a tough stretch here for the 34-year-old, yeah. so, you know. Who knows? Who knows, Kimo? I'm just playing Bellator matchmaker for you there. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, we have another fight card this Sunday, Kingmo, for also from England, this time from Liverpool, when UFC Fight Night walks in and a very, very good welterweight main event. Steven Thompson versus Darren Till. And this is Till's opportunity to really tell us if he's for real. Not just another loudmouth, you know, Conor McGregor clone, although, to be honest, Till has recorded the kind of victories lately that, that do show you he's better than just a, a Conor McGregor clone. But is he title ready? This is the type of fight that we find that out. You fired up for this one? I can't wait to see what happens. Well, I heard that he's legit. I, I, my, um, I have a guy, um, Darren Ward, who's in my corner. He's like, Mo, Darren Till... Is legit, and I, honestly, I've watched him fight, but like really, I haven't looked at him that close. I know he's, you know, he's flashy, he does stuff, but Wonder Boy is too. You know, um, Darren Till might have the ground game edge because he's still in Brazil, but at the same time, Wonder Boy's <laughs> um, brother-in-law is Muchado, so and he trains, and he trains with Chris Weidman, so it's gonna be an interesting matchup, man. Um, right now the momentum is probably on Darren Till's side; he's the hype behind him, but the experience and the, I think the confidence might be on Wonder Boy because Wonder Boy's seen every style, you know what I'm saying, possible. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens in this fight. Till just 25 years old. He'll actually be fighting in his hometown of Liverpool, so you have to imagine that'll be a, a home court advantage, so to speak. The crowd will be insane in his favor. He's coming off that vicious first-round knockout of Cowboy Cerrone, which really was like, okay, we got something here. 16-0, this guy with one no contest. But like I said, you're going in against Thompson – who's the class of this division, who's upset right now, King Mo, that on June 9th at UFC 225, when Colby Covington faces RDA, that yeah. will be for the interim welterweight title. He's like, yo, hold on a second here, right? I yeah. I had two close fights with Woodley. I just yeah. beat Masvidal. Why am I not fighting for an interim title? Well, I, I, I think you're, you're right about that. Maybe the UFC's like, well, we've already seen you fight. But think. let me ask you a quick question. When Darren Till beat... Cowboy, what what was Cowboy? Was Cowboy was that coming up a Cowboy's loss to Masvidal? Uh, let me check. Cow, Cowboy was on a rough stretch there. That where that fell in the line, the lineage there was, uh, yeah, he was coming off the knockout loss to Masvidal, the decision loss to Robbie Lawler, and he had been very. He's always very active, so yeah, it was a so, tough stretch. So, so like, like that's a great win for Darren Till, but I think maybe he might be putting too much stock in that win. You know, coming off a knockout loss, like you know, and he was getting dominated, like, you know. Um, and that, and that loss as well. So, um, I think, I think Cowboy might need, might need to take a break. He should have took a little break after the Masvidal fight. Or maybe, maybe after the, after the Lawler fight, he should have took a little break. Oh, Cowboy but, needs breaks. The UFC sometimes yeah. has to pull him away from, from hurting himself because that guy wants to fight every month. Well, I, you know, he's a fighter. He's a true throwback fighter. You know, but I feel like, um, people putting a lot of stock in that win. Great. It was a great win for Darren Till, but at the same time, that wasn't the same fresh Cowboy. You know, so that was kind of a worn down Cowboy. Maybe I would like to see that fight happen. Maybe, a few months later after Cowboy lost to Masvidal, you know, gave him more time to recover. But, you know, he's a soldier out there fought. That, gave, that, that win gave Darren Till confidence. But is it – what type of confidence is it? Is it true confidence he should, he should rely on? Or should, or should he just be like, you know, um, okay, I got the win, great win, but let's, let's just focus on 
Let's just focus on Wonderboy because I feel like some people are putting too much stock into that um, Cerrone win, which is a great win. Right, but, you're, but to your point, Donald Cerrone comes to fight, so that was a great win, but that was somewhat tailor-made in that regard, whereas Stephen Thompson is a puzzle. He's a Swiss Army knife you got to try to figure out here. And I want to ask you this. The only times... Modern day Wonder Boy. The only one that's given him trouble is at the very elite level, Tyron Woodley. The first fight very close at UFC 205. I thought it was exciting. The second fight at UFC 209 was it was a long bore. Some people thought it was pure MMA. A lot of people were booing it. What can Till learn from Woodley? They're not. They're certainly not the same fighter. You just can't take that blueprint. But were there things you can learn on how you sort of disarm Stephen Thompson? Um, if I were him, I wouldn't even look at that fight. I I would focus on the fight he lost before that. Matt when he Brown. lost to uh, Matt Brown, because we saw him. That's the first time we saw him fold a little bit, like not fold, but maybe fatigue in a sense. Because he didn't fold; he was there fighting, but he fatigued. I'm pretty sure he's worked on that. But sometimes, once you fatigue in the past, it's still in you to fatigue. Even I had that problem when I was wrestling. I fatigue and I don't know how to relax. But there are times when you when you, when you forget to breathe or you're not relaxed. You're like, oh my god, I'm getting tired. And then mental fatigue sets in. Then from mental fatigue. Then you got physical fatigue, and that's when you start making bad decisions. You start your punches start coming out slower. Your reaction time's a little slower. That was and, a long time ago, though, in Wonder Boy's career. Yeah, that was twenty twelve. Yeah, it was, a, yeah it, was, it was a long time ago. But you know, it's like this: when we see a guy tap out from strikes early in his career, there's a great chance he'll tap out the strikes later in his career. So it's, it's just another, you know, just another habit. Guys that you see guys that panic, they panic early in their career. There's a great chance they might panic. Later in the career, they're putting in submission. Very true. So, Wonderboy did bounce back, knocked out Robert Whitaker, knocked out Johnny Hendricks, of course took that yeah. decision from Rory McDonald that really elevated him to the title level. We'll see. He's coming off the unanimous decision win over Jorge Masvidal last November. King Mo, prediction time on this one. I think Thompson can stretch this into a five-round fight and win a decision here, even in enemy territory. He's got that type of game plan. We haven't seen that level of wrinkle from Darren Till yet. Man, maybe, but it depends, man, because Darren Till has a dog mentality. He likes to fight. He's young. He's in his hometown. He And a lot of those people from England are like, you know what? Go for it. F it. <laughs> and if he, and look, look, if he goes out there and is like, you know what? I'm going to bring the fight. Somebody's getting knocked out, either me or him, and he goes out there and just brings the fight to him, then who knows what's going to happen? Because I, I, Wonder Boy can – Wonder Boy is uh, – he's not the counterpuncher or the counterstriker the MVP is. You know, so I don't know. I, he can't, but he can do that though. It's still a toss up to me. Cause right there, you're dealing with two guys that love kicking and punching. You know, two karate guys, not karate guys, two strikers. Um, they're both pretty dynamic. Uh, Darren Till has momentum in my, in my eyes as far as like hype and everything. And he's young and he's fighting at home and he has the UFC backed him. Cause obviously, if the UFC is going to have, have, have a guy ranked as high as Wonderboy fighting another guy, in his hometown, that shows that the A-side fighter is Darren Till. Even though, in my eyes, the A-side fighter is Wonderboy Thompson. So I think, yeah, so I think the UFC really wants Darren Till to beat Wonderboy Thompson. Very interesting point. They are going to his hometown, no question about it. King Mo, before we throw to my colleague Brandon Wise and listen to the sound he collected from ATT Media Day, I do want to ask you one thing on the way out, boxing-related Will we see Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder 2018? Because things seem to be starting to heat up negotiation-wise. The fact that it's a little bit quiet right now does lead you to believe that they're actually talking. AJ just came out in the British media just the other day and was basically like, 
I want this fight. I don't want it in the States, though. I don't trust the tricks, he said, of the American boxing referees and judges. <laughs> but he says, let's bring it to England. Let's do it this year. I'm starting to get the feels like we may see this now, after all. It's going to happen 2019. It's too good to be true. Too much money. $50 million um, um, offer by Deontay Wilder's camp. The offer by Anthony Joshua's camp was a pretty good camp. was a pretty good offer, too. Um, they're both going back and forth, so the, the the talks are there. Tyson Fury's fighting June sixth or June June ninth. Yes, June ninth. <laughs> the, 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 he's the real kid, the real heavyweight king. People forget about him. Oh yeah, Tyson Fury can fight. He's the real heavyweight king. He's in shape. Um, you see him? That jaw, yeah. that jawline is yeah. back. Yeah, he's moving, moving his head, dancing. It's gonna be interesting because if I'm if I'm Tyson Fury and I look good, and I'm in. England, or I'm in the UK, and you see Anthony Joshua's in the UK, big mega fight. The winner of that could fight Deontay, or Deontay fights Joshua. The winner of that fights the real king. Well, that's the so, hard truth in this situation. I'm sorry for anyone that doesn't realize this. Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury is a bigger money fight in in the in the Europe than Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder. And there's no question about that. Well, I'm not just in Europe. I think it's a bigger money fight worldwide. Because in America, yeah, we have we, we love Deontay. We'll back him. But in Europe, they love boxing. You know what I'm saying? And Tyson Fury, man, Tyson Fury is like, at first I wasn't a believer. And then I started watching him more and more. Eddie Chambers told me about him. Kingpin Johnson told me about him. Then he beats Klitschko the way he does. Granted, it wasn't a pretty fight, but he made it look easy. And just, he feels like he can't be beat right now. He ain't fighting two years, two and a half years. He's coming back. Let's see how he looks. But Joshua, I know Josh and Deontay Wilder, they're hungry. And maybe those two fight, the winner can fight um, can fight Tyson Fury because either one of those two fighting Tyson Fury is a big money fight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just want, I just want to see it happen. I just want to see all these guys fight each other. It'll happen. It's going to happen. Great time happen. to be a fan in boxing, by the way. <laughs> boxing doing very well healthy-wise financially. TV packages, streaming packages. Eddie Hearn trying to change the game, all that Ed, stuff. Eddie Hearn has changed the game. He changed the game. But, okay, quick question. I know it's off topic. What's up with Bobby Lashley and WWE? Oh, my God. They are they are actively trying to ruin his career. They, they, we're coming off of a couple weeks in a row of Bobby Lashley, whether it was a sit-down interview where he's talking about how much he loves his sisters or it was the segment on Raw this week for anybody that didn't oh. see it. That is arguably the worst segment in Raw history you have this absolute badass in Lashley who looked really good in TNA, by the way, and you have all this footage from Bellator of him winning heavyweight MMA fights, and you bring him in and you water him down like this. Are you kidding? King Mo, he should have been brought in, propped up, and set up for a Brock Lesnar feud. Two MMA heavyweights against each other. How hard is this? Or even a Braun Strowman feud. Let him beat Braun Strowman, let Braun put him over it. Then it show how strong of, of a person Bobby Lashley is. Leading into the Brock Lesnar feud, but they fumbled, and that's why. I look, I'm. I try to give it a chance. I haven't watched it in a few weeks. I put it on because Bobby Lashley. I like Bobby. That's my dog. And I see what I saw, and I just, I just turned the TV off. It has to be I, a rib. It has to be Vince McMahon just, just like ribbing somebody. Because there's no chance that they could be like, all right, we got this app. I mean, because look, Bobby's in his early 40s, but he still has the best body in the company. This guy's an absolute badass. There's no chance that they go, you know what the best choice is here? Let, let's work up some angle about his sisters, and let's have some local enhancement talent dress up as women and come out. Like, it just made – who the hell signed off on that? It seems like a Vince McMahon rib. It really does. Uh, we, I, 
Bobby should went to should went to Ring of Honor or stayed or stayed with the stayed in um, an Impact and did and teamed up with Moose and they had a tag team and or Japan. I would love together. him in New Japan. That'd be incredible. Yeah, and, or New Japan. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, like everyone's ch- everyone's to realize, like I like what Cody Rhodes is doing. Some some organizations ain't for you. Yeah, you know, in the UFC, I mean, not the UFC, but the WWE might have. The, I, I, the crowd was wasn't the crowd was kind of booing. They were quiet. It's to the point where I th- I'm not sure Bobby's over anymore, and he should well, be he over. Can't be over anymore after they after they ruined him. I mean, this is un- it's unforgivable, King Mo. It's really the worst. And then you know, Bobby's a, a a badass. There's nothing. It's so easy. Just roll him out there and let you know he's a physical specimen. Stop putting like a like an old man hat on him and trying to do this like family angle. Stop the madness. Yeah, man. I I I, I had a vent because you know not only you know. I'm, I'm, I was tripping about my knee. I got knee in the head. I got stopped 15 seconds. I was tripping about that, but you know, Bobby, Bobby, you know, when it comes to when it comes to wrestling, Bobby bleeds it. He breathes it. He's a student. I've been with him. I watched him study film. I watched him break people down. I watched him go over storylines. I watched him go over, you know, play matchmaker, go over future storylines. And he's a, and he, it's in his heart. And to see how they're playing him right now bugs me. I don't like it. Yeah, let's start the petition. Let's get him out of there. Get him out of that contract right now. Like, there's better things ahead for Bobby Ladd. Put him back in the Bellator cage. Go up against Jack Swagger in a real fight. Hey, I'll, I'll watch that. I'll watch that. Come on, Jake Hager. Let's get him out of there. Yeah, yeah. Get Jake, put Jake on there. There it is. Hey, King Bo, thanks so much for joining us, coming off of this loss, being real with us. We always appreciate that. We're not out as a show, but you are out. You got anything to say for the people as we exit? Hey, I will be back September. You know what I'm saying? And uh, um, That's about it. I'll be back in September. Still money weight. Still doing big things, still training hard, still training smart. And uh, September will be a different result. I promise y'all that. There it is. There it is. Believe it. We are out. Oh, yeah. You know, I got to bring in my man, CBS Sports writer, editor, the wise man himself, Brandon Wise, back onto the ITC. Wise man, always great to have you on the show. But we gotta we gotta talk about this sound you collected in recent weeks. Listeners of the show heard your interview with Bantamweight champion Amanda Nunez from a couple weeks ago. We got some more to roll out today. It was ATT Media Day in South Florida. Tell us a little bit about this. Oh man, it was such a great day. We had access to just about every one of their major fighters on the upcoming cards that they got. We got Colby Covington. We got Junior Dos Santos. We got. Andre Arlovsky, we got just about every major name in the UFC right now that you'll want to hear from that fights out of that camp oh, in yeah. Governor Creek. Did you, though, did you disrespect the great King Mo in his house? Because we we know on this podcast that's something you're not supposed to do. In my home. This is my home right here. This is America Top Team. Don't just, don't disrespect me in my home. Did you, uh, you know, I don't know, walk on the walk in the cage with shoes on anything to disrespect the king in his home? You know, I did that the first time I went there when I talked to Yoan and Joan Jacek, and I will never do it again because they they stared at me like I was going to die. Um, I did not, actually. I uh, I let King Mo do his thing. You know, that was a week before his fight with Ryan Bader, which obviously he lost in 15 seconds. But, no, he looked good when he was training. It was just it didn't translate, apparently, in the octagon. 
Wow, how dare you reference King Mo's 15-second knockout. Just kidding, obviously. He has broken that <laughs> fight down on the show. Great to have him back on, of course. But let's get to the interviews. We want to start right off the top with Colby Covington, the uh, the WWE personality himself. Or, or will he be one day? We don't know that. But good chat with him ahead of his fight coming up. Enjoy. How's training been going? Oh, training's going good, man. Can't complain. Right on schedule. <laughs> So what's the last two years been like? What's changed for you over the last two years in your training and in your success in the ring? I just came into my own. You know, here at American Top Team, we got the, the greatest training partners and the greatest coaches. So I'm just really coming into my own and my prime right now, and I just, you know, I feel on top of the world right now. Would you consider those Andros your toughest foe yet? I, uh, I mean, I think Damian Maia was a lot tougher stylistic matchup, but, uh, you know, RDA is a good opponent. He's proven that he can be a world champion, but, you know, I'm going to make it look like it was my easiest opponent yet. You seem to have taken a lot from McGregor with your social media and all that kind of stuff. What do you think, like, uh, sorry, do you think that that got you into this position for this fight? Uh, you know, I don't, I'm, the thing is, I'm not anything like McGregor. I'm completely different than McGregor. You know, he's trying to get fans. I'm spoiling Star Wars and Infinity War. I don't care about fans. You know, I'm, I'm looking just to make people pissed off. And, you know, people are going to buy my pay per views because they simply want to see me lose. So, you know, I'm not anything like McGregor. You know, there's people that have promoted before. There's a pro wrestling model out there. So, if anything, I'm more like a Ric Flair. You know, I'm on the same diet women, limousines, and private jets on the regular. Would you consider yourself more Ric Flair or more Floyd Mayweather? Uh, definitely more Ric Flair. <laughs> you mentioned Infinity War. Did you enjoy the movie? I did enjoy it. I actually watched it last night for the first time, so. But you spoiled it before you saw it? Yeah, I got the spoilers <laughs> out early. <laughs> uh, people forget you have a really strong wrestling background, obviously, training here as well. Who do you think you model your success after? Uh, you know, I think I don't really model myself to af after anybody. I'm my own version of myself. You know, I'm consistently getting better every day. And, you know, there hasn't really been an athlete like me. You know, I'm very well-rounded, and I can take the fight anywhere the fight needs to go. What do you think of the state of the 170 division right now? I think it's great. You know, with me at the king of the helm, you know, it's a great division now. I'm making the, the division great again. You know, the division's boring. It went stale. So, you know, I'm happy I'm here, and I can make this division great again. Do you think you would ever want to fight Steven, like a fight with Steven Thompson stylistically? Do you think that would match up well for you? Oh, yeah, that would be an easy fight for me. You know, he's a karate guy. You know, karate belts, you know, don't hold a lot of weight in the wrestling world. So, you know, if, if, if that fight presents itself, I think that's going to be an easy fight for me. You know, that's, that's why he's a little choir boy. But, you know, he's going to have to ask his daddy if he can fight me. And obviously, if you beat RDA, you're probably lining up to fight Tyron Woodley next. How do you feel like you match up with him? I match up really good. You know, we used to share a lot of sparring hours on that mat right there. And, you know, that there's a reason he's been ducking me. We were supposed to fight back in December. He he blatantly said he didn't want to fight me to Dana White. They offered him the fight. He turned down the fight. He said he was ready to go against the 55er and Nate Diaz. But as soon as he said me, you know, he turned it down. So I match up great. You know, I've, I literally put him unconscious on these mats here. And I've beaten him in every round I've ever sparred with him. So it's an easy matchup for me. What's your relationship like with him? Uh, we hate each other, you know, that's a real beef, you know, some of these beefs, they're manufactured and it's fake, that's a real beef, like, we legitimately hate each other, like, if we're in the same room, we're not going to be able to be in the same room together, there's going to have to be people that separate us, so, well, you know, why, there's a lot of animosity. Why did it get to that point? Just because he's so fake, you know, he says all this stuff to the media and he, and he says a lot of fake lies, you know, he's just, he's not a real person, if you ever listen to his interviews and the things he says, you know, he, he goes back on a lot of the stuff he says, so I, just, I don't, I don't like the person he is, he's a fake person. 
he's also trying to say that Floyd Mayweather can fight in MMA. Do you think that's even possible? No, that's not possible. <laughs> he's 42 years old. What's Floyd Mayweather going to just learn something overnight to fight MMA? That's just all hype and to keep Tyrone Woodley's name in the in the media. Just like he's trying to say that he might fight in ADS, that fight's not going to happen. That's fake news. He's just trying to steal the headlines and, and control the narrative. How long did it take you to become a strong enough wrestler to be able to do this in MMA? Oh, you know, as soon as I got out of college, you know, they brought me down here to American Top Team, and I, I was beating guys like, you know, Robbie Lawler and, you know, training with these high-level guys that were world champions. So I already knew I was one of the best fighters in the world with my wrestling. I just needed to round out my skills with jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai, and that's what I've done. That's all I've practiced on the last couple of years, and you're going to see the best version of me on June 9th. How do you enjoy living down here in South Florida? Oh, dude, I love it, dude. The, the <laughs> weather, the you know, the beaches, the women, just everything is so awesome, man. I, I really enjoy South Florida, man. How long have you been down here? I've been down here seven years now. Yeah, it's it's different than any other place on earth, I would say. It really is. It's, it's unique, and, and that's what I am. I'm unique, so it's one of a kind. Do you think if you do beat RDA, you want to bring a fight to Miami or Fort Lauderdale? When I beat RDA, I definitely want to bring a fight back to Miami. You know, they used to come back a long time ago, so hopefully they can come to South Beach. I got a lot of chicks in South Beach that would love to come watch me <laughs> hold that strap. All right. Appreciate it, man. Thanks Thank you again. Appreciate it. All right, Wiseman. Well, I got a lot to ask you about this. We know Covington will be facing RDA, Rafael Dos Anjos, UFC 225, July 9th in Chicago for that interim welterweight title. Everyone has the same question to people that have access to Colby or people that are in camp. I ask King Bo on this show all the time. Is this for real? Is this guy playing a role or is this guy this foul mouth badass? What would you take from that? It really does feel like a character at this point because he is such a nice guy. He was so willing. He came in early, actually, for these interviews. He was supposed to come at, like, 1. He showed up at noon. He wanted to, you know, be able to have access to everybody. He talked to every person that wanted to ask them questions. Uh, I heard a lot of wrestling questions, actually. Funny that you bring up the WWE personality. But, man, I don't know. He really just exudes confidence, and it's really hard to argue with the things that he's saying because even though his fights have not been very fun, he had one of the ugliest fights when he fought Damian Maya and Dong Hyung Kim. He's not losing. So it's like at the same, at one point you'd be like, all right, yeah, you're a really boring fighter, and you keep saying that Diamond Woodley's a boring champion. But at the same time, he's not losing, and he's fighting the people that they put in front of him. And if he beats Dos Anjos on June, on June 9th, actually not July 9th, he's going to fight for the title, which is kind of hard to argue with, with his results. He'll be 14-1 after that. I, I hate the idea of another interim title floating out into the wind. So does Stephen Thompson, by the way, who's upset that this fight is happening for that belt. But, yes, you can't argue against Covington until he starts losing. Then all this thing will will just be a tired act. But for now, it's entertaining. It rubs me the wrong way sometimes. But I think clearly that's the purpose. That's the goal. That's what he's trying to do. I don't believe this is actually him, though. I think you kind of spelled out. It does feel like he's playing a character. But the soundbite of I'm the Ric Flair of MMA or whatever he said is pretty good, as is how willing he's really to just rip anyone I mean he's like oh Woodley yeah I knocked him out in this gym many times we hate each other it's real it's like this guy really seems to hate everybody exactly and I honestly of all the things that he has said over the last three or four months to get his name in the headlines that actually feels like a real beef like they've actually done those things that he's talking about that doesn't seem like a character and by the way you mentioned Stephen Thompson being upset about not getting uh, a shot at this interim title or not fighting for the title. He had two chances to beat Tyron Woodley. What is he complaining about? Wow, wow. High, high heat from the wise man here. <laughs> it's 
I don't. I'm, I I love that guy. He's such a nice dude. But he's just—he's not better than Tyron Woodley, and he refused to go in there and fight a good style against Tyron Woodley. Why are you complaining? I don't think everyone should hate on that first fight, though. I thought that was a fun fight. The second one, awful. It was—it was chess. It was chess, and we know that. But at the same time, you've got to do something. Like he's just standing there and not throwing. He's waiting for his counter shots, and he's just not taking any chances. I guess his point is, you know, he bounced back, he beat Masvidal, and he's basically saying, what has Colby Covington done more or better than me? And I I think he's got a gripe. I think Thompson versus RDA would have been a fight that would have made a little bit more sense, but I get what UFC is doing, pushing Colby into it. But look, why are you having an interim belt when it's not like Tyron Woodley's dead, right? Like, he's going to be back. Right. He's like, just stop the he madness. Said, he, he said that he... He said that he wanted to fight in August. So that's what I don't understand about all of this. Now, do we believe, though, that Colby can beat RDA? Because being really honest and taking stock of who Dos Anjos is at welterweight, man, without having to make that cut, he's a destroyer. How do you think they match up? I know it's early. We're going to preview this fight in detail. But do you get a good feeling now that Colby's a live dog in this one? So I, I've been going back and forth on this. And you know what? Honestly, like, he seems like the kind of dude who makes you fight his fight. Like those things that coaches always talk about the best fighters ever make you fight their fight. I think Kobe might do some of that in this matchup, but like you said, I think RDA might just be too much because RDA is just going to come in guns blazing, throwing everything he's got because he really thinks that he should still be a champion, even though he moved up in weight to get to this point. I think RDA still thinks of himself as a champion like that, and Colby's just another step on that road. Yeah, the I think he's got better craft, better experience. I think there's a lot of things better for RDA. I just question, and we still got a you know a few weeks to go for this fight, of course. I question if Colby can actually get in his head. Will that change things? Now, RDA didn't get knocked out by, the, by Eddie Alvarez because he got lured into a brawl. I think it was the weight cut. It was just a bad night for him. He got caught. But I wonder if Colby can force RDA into fighting a little bit more wild than he wants to, if that somehow can change the dynamics. It's interesting. It's something to think about. It's interesting. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I really think that if the, if this goes the way that the McGregor buildup did, where we seem to see RDA lose it somewhat, then, you know, we might see a Colby Covington come out there and win the fight. But the fact that at that press conference in Brooklyn uh, before UFC 223, RDA was wearing a boomerang shirt just to, you know, keep trolling Colby. I don't think RDA is <laughs> worrying at all about that. Yeah. By the way, that 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 whole thing of him wearing the T-shirt forever will be over, outshined by uh, McGregor throwing a dolly through a uh, through a bus window at that same 223. Uh, I mean, it's that like, might have been the best thing of the weekend, if not for the dolly, honestly. Oh, I, we've we've <laughs> fast forwarded through this dolly story so quick. And just sort of like, yeah, it happened. It's over. Do people not, I don't want to be that guy, but do people not realize like the, the destruction that could have happened in that moment? Like if Rose had taken that to the face and Habib had gotten glass in his forearm or something like that could have been the worst moment ever. Like I, they're so lucky. They are so lucky. That's all I'm saying. We would not, we probably would not have seen Conor McGregor again. Right. And like, now we're probably going to really... see him. And now for all we know, we'll see him November MSG again to be. Hey, hey, I mean, I'd sign up for it, right? I'd sit in the, in the third row or wherever they'd put me in the press there. You better believe that. So I will not complain, but good talk with Colby. I do like the sound drops. I do like the wrestling connection there. Guy knows how to market himself. This is 2018. 
Trash talk pays the bills. It's the McGregor era. It's just the way it is. I don't know if I need to see, you know, porn stars on his uh, Twitter account or him giving away the ending to Star Wars. <laughs> but, you know, hey, it's, 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 it's the path that he chose. But now we want to throw to some sound with the former heavyweight champion, Junior Dos Santos. We know he will be back. July 14th, the main event of UFC Boise. Wow, that's a, that sounds like a heck of a card. UFC Boise against your boy, my boy, Blagoy Ivanov. How am I pronouncing that? Am I pronouncing that correctly? Blagoy? I hope so. I, I couldn't tell you. I do know that he is the current WSOF heavyweight champion oh, wow. for what that's worth. Wow, what, what is that? What is that? All right. Well, let's talk about, let's hear from JDS <laughs> about, uh, about his run right now. Also about the whole USADA situation. Very interesting stuff. Enjoy. Ah, so how's it feel to finally be getting back into the octagon now? Uh, you got your fight coming up. Uh, it feels feels really good, you know. Uh, actually, I feel relieved yeah. after this whole nightmare I was living, you know, because uh, I, I've never expect to live something like that, you know, since uh, I don't 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 do those kind of things. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it feels really good, you know, to have a, my next fight schedule already, you know, so it feels like I'm, I'm, I'm back in the game, you know, and ready to, to show to the whole, whole world, you know, uh, a little bit more of Junior Dos Santos. Were you able to learn anything from this process? Well, we, I was able to learn that, uh, life's not fair. <laughs> life's not fair, yeah. Like I actually I heard that before, you know, people used to tell me, you know, people sometimes life life is unfair with you. And I've you know, depends of the, the problem that you have, you know, you don't really care about that. But uh, with a big problem that I was I was living like this thing with you, Sada, I realized that that's true. <laughs> life not life's not fair, you know, because uh sometimes it, it doesn't make sense, uh the things will happen. But uh, it's the process, right? We have to go through, like they said, it's a rule for one, rule for everybody. Yeah. You mentioned life not being fair and all that. Obviously, you had a, t a chance to have a long title run at, in the division. What do you think went wrong there when you were trying to build yourself up, when you were still on the way up, and now, obviously, you're trying to do that again? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Actually, um, I'm a, you know... I, I, I have with me that I'm a high-level le high fighter, you know, high-level heavyweight. And, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm this last time, like two years more, actually, four years ago, you know, ago, I'm suffering because uh, I'm doing one fight per, per year. Mm -hmm. before, before my fight for the title, my last fight for the title that I lost to, to, to Stipe, uh, I, w I fought uh, Ben Rato. And finally, I got a good, uh, I got a good uh, performance in that fight, and I felt really good. And I said, "Man, this is the time that I'm gonna make things happen again." Then I had an injury on in my shoulder, and uh, I had to to go through a surgery, and I did that surgery, and I was one year out, one year out without training, without uh, without anything. Then when I came back. Because the, the heavyweight, of course, my, my rele relevance in the division and uh, the division was, wasn't uh, like having much, much more to do besides of that. They gave me the title fight. Mm -hmm. And of course, I, I really appreciated that, you know, because uh, that's my, my goal all the time, you know, to fight for the title. 
And I went to that fight, you know, one year without fighting, one year without training. And I just uh, got prepared. I did. I do the, the best I can all the time. But, uh, you know, the fighters, they, especially the fighters or people who, who, who get involved with um, martial arts, they know we have to have uh, a good... Um, uh, numbers of fight you know we have to continue fighting to to get to get in shape to get a, a good timing of fighting so i wasn't getting i wasn't having that time and uh, okay i went to that fight and things went wrong actually i was i was following the strategy i was kicking his leg and doing my best stephen knows that he was feeling that that those kicks mm -hmm. uh things were working well but uh it's the heavyweight division you know and he connected a good punch and I lost the fight. But then again, because of this this USADA thing, I'm one year out again, you know. And uh, things are, are are not working well in in this uh, this kind of uh, point of view, you know. So uh, my what I really want now is to to keep a good uh, number of fights per year, minimum of three. So that's my my main goal. Do you think there's going to be any changes to the system for USADA? I hope that I hope they they do some changes, you know, because uh, it, it doesn't make any sense, you know. Mm -hmm. Actually, they found uh, on me that like they found um, uh, a very small amount of uh, diuretic, which is not drug, which is not performed PED, you know. It's it's not a, a drug, uh, and the 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 the, the diuretic. The diuretic they found on me. I did some. I did some research on that, you know, <laughs> and hyd hydrochlorothiazide, something like that, you know, and, um, and that that diuretic is not very effective. You know, it wouldn't be enough. All the doctors I talked about, you know, they they said the, the same thing. You know, it wouldn't be enough to hide anything, even if I take a lot right. of that. You know, I would have to use something something better to hide anything, like the Usada said. You know, mm -hmm. so I hope. Uh, depends of the, the 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 substance they found on you, they find on on you, or something like that. If that, uh, like in my case, what were traits of diuretic? Right. Zero point five, which is nothing. Right. And they took me out for nine months, almost right. ten months, you know, just to to investigate that thing, knowing I I, I can't I can't imagine it different, you know, knowing that uh, it was a contamination because the, the because of the amount and because of the the, the substance you know I, I, that's 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 clear for me I, I have been you know I was champion of the world without even knowing about those things you know and my goal is to be champion again the same way without using drugs without anything actually it's a it's a it's a choice of mine you know i don't do i don't do those those kind of things it, it doesn't matter and i beat people who do who does that who do that you know so my main goal is to is to keep going continue doing what i do and i hope you saw that depend depending of the what they found on you uh, what they find on, on you and uh, the amount they found on, they find on you too, mm -hmm. they change it. They, they they don't need to strip the, to take you out of the fight. You know, they depends of the the substance. They can keep you in the fight, let you fight. If the, if they prove that it was your fault, you you did that on or you did that on purpose, mm -hmm. then they can penalize you. They can do even a fee. They can put you on top of you and take you away from whatever they want. The time, you know. But uh, but until there, don't do it. because 
we are being guilty before they prove that we are guilty. Right. So it's it's very frustrating. I was I was very bad, man. I, I was living a, because for me it was like a unfair thing, you know. It was it was running like politics in Brazil. <laughs> yeah, crazy things were. Yeah, yeah, for me I was feeling the same way yeah. because I couldn't do anything, and whatever they say, it's that that's the rule. I, I'm not saying it's it's wrong, but I, I said you know for me, I, I I've been playing the fair game all the time. You know, not using drugs, not using anything, and the only company, the only organization that could uh, tell everybody that I was I was telling the truth was USADA right. but they they didn't do that you right. know they did the opposite they they put some of me and even even being everything being clarified for everybody you know that was a contamination that was wasn't my fault I still I still got six months of penalty you know <laughs> yeah so so it's it's very frustrating because next time it can happen again because you know, you never know. You cannot eat anything. You cannot take anything anymore. So, if it happens again, I'm gonna be uh, leaving this kind of. It's gonna be even worse because right. I can get more time. I can get more without being being guilty. Without being, you know, my fault. Yeah. It's uh, it's frustrating. Didn't mean to put you in a bad mood. No, no, that's that. That, no, that, that's good. Actually, I can explain how I'm feeling. Oh yeah, yeah that's no. good. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned the Stipe fight and how that all went. What, how do you think he's been so successful so far? He's now at that point where he's had the most title defenses in the in the division. What has made him so successful? Oh, it was ma uh, what made him so successful is that he got the luck to knock me out on that side. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because he, he knows that was a, a lucky lucky shot. No, I'm not saying he's not com com uh, like uh, it wasn't his... Um, uh, how can I say that? His quality, his um, strength. Yeah, his strength, his uh, his will mm -hmm. to do that, you know. But I think he's he's lucky the way the punch connects and put me out, you know. Yeah. So uh, because he knows, you know, I never give up, you know, and I would still keep fighting, you know, if I, of course, if I could. <laughs> but uh, but I think Stipe is a great uh, athlete, you know, he takes care of himself very well, and he has knockout power, that's the truth, you know, he has knockout power, he can knock any, anybody out uh, around here, you know, in this, in this division, in heavyweight division, and I, I, the way I see it, it's going to be very hard for someone to take him out of there. The only one who can do that, <laughs> in my my point of view, yeah. of course, sure. it's me. Sure. You know, and, I, and 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 I really believe he knows that too. He knows that too. He was feeling, man. He he was feeling those those leg kicks, and he knew he wouldn't <laughs> survive for too long. You know, in that fight. So, but but he, of course, he did great. He connected a good punch, and he be, and I think he. He deserved a lot, you know, to be the first one to to break the record and be the most successful heavyweight in the UFC history. Would you consider him the most successful heavyweight, or the uh, great, or the greatest? I should say. No, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't consider him the greatest. Of course, he, he's 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 going on that way, but uh, but uh, uh, yeah, he has uh, he has a lot of um, luck. Uh, no, not luck. Um, he's a compa um, competitive. Uh, he's, uh, he has a lot of 
competitive spirit. Yeah, competitive spirit. He's good. He's good, and he's doing he's doing great. But uh, uh, I don't feel like uh, he's the greatest. You know, no, I don't feel that. Who do you think it is? Or the greatest well, heavyweight champion? Uh, for me, the greatest heavyweight have ever competed is uh, the, the way I feel. You know, it's Fedor. Fedor, yeah. In the UF, in the UFC, um, I cannot see like nobody being the, the greatest ever there, you know, because uh, it's uh, the belts changing a lot. I'll, I'll keep. I, I don't want to be polemic on this thing, you know. I'll keep <laughs> Stipe because he broke the record of winning, so he's the guy now in the UFC. But it doesn't mean has he, he is the the greatest heavyweight ever. How much do you think luck plays a factor into people being able to hold the belt and then lose the belt so quickly? In yeah, position? people sometimes people confuse being lucky with uh, I, I'm I'm missing the word, but it, it's being uh, being effective, you know, being 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 good on what you're doing, you know. Lucky is part of an attitude. Mm-hmm. If you don't have an attitude or a reaction for something that's happening with you, you never will find lucky in your life. So f- for you to get lucky, you need to do something. You need to react. You need to, to make, th- make things happen for you. Be- be- if, if you don't do that, you're not going to get lucky. So even when, when you get lucky, it's, uh, it's on you. It's a... Uh, it's, uh, um, my gosh, I forgot. I, I forgot that word. But uh, it's uh, uh, you, you're being effective. effective yeah. yeah, you're being like, yeah, you're being effective. You're putting everything. You're being, you're being, you're showing the whole world who you are and every, all the qualities you have. You know, so that's that, that's the way I think. You know, so being lucky is not a good, a bad thing. It's a, it's a good thing because you tried something and that worked. Yeah. So uh, being lucky is a is a is a specialty. <laughs> what is your favorite fight so far that you've had in the UFC? My favorite fight? Uh, well, I had a you know when I became champion, it, it was good, you know, because I was. But I, but I think my the, the the most special one is uh, my debut in the UFC because uh, everybody was wasn't believing in me. And I, I went there, you know, and I fought someone very tough, very who was uh, very well positioned in, in the ranking, mm-hmm. and, and I did great, you know. I knocked him out, and uh, and after that, I, I still remember uh, one of the phrases that one of the the UFC guy told me when I was going out of the cage. He said, "Welcome aboard." <laughs> that was man, that feeling was amazing, you know? So I consider that fight my the most important one for me in the UFC. And last one before I let you go. Who do you think wins on 226? Stipe or DC? Oh, that's a tough fight for the for 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 both of them, but uh, the way the way uh, DC fights, I think it's a very uh, very effective but boring you know because uh, uh boring the way like because he doesn't allow you to to do anything like uh, you know he, he once he he grabs you you know he will take you down and he's gonna make you tired and he's gonna or, 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 or you know or Just not too well or finish you yeah. you know so i don't think uh Steve has the best uh uh cardio uh, in the in the 
uh, you know, fighting. Mm -hmm. So I think it's not a very good uh, fight for him. You know, I hope he's making a lot of money because <laughs> he's not winning anything. You know, his belt is in the line. Not, nothing from uh, from Cormier is in the line. Just from Miocic, right. you know. So I hope he's making a lot of money and he can go there and throw some bombs against uh, uh, DC to make the fight more interesting. Because the way I see it, uh, probably DC was going to take him down, make him tired, and finish the fight. But, uh, but of course, we are talking about the heavyweight champion here, you know. Yeah. So, Stipe, everything is possible for him. You think he'll probably try and take some of John Jones' playbook? Uh, who, Miochi? Yeah, Stipe? Yeah. Uh, well, that would be good. That would be <laughs> good to see. Uh, John Jones, like, John Jones is... We are expecting him to come up for the heavyweight division for a long time, you know. He's a big guy, and it, it would be great to have him here in the, the heavyweights. But uh, but I don't know if it's that that's going to happen or not, you know. But uh, it would be good. It would be good to see a good fight between them. All right. Thank you, man. I Thank appreciate you. you taking the time. Wow, fired up, Junior Dos Santos, right there. Uh, you a believer that, that that his whole his whole side of this with the USADA that that he's the victim? You know, we talked about this a few times, and I think he's one of those rant, those rare guys that he really did get screwed by some tainted uh, supplements. That um, I thought really you were going to go tainted beef. I it, thought you were going Canelo on me I, for I, a second. It was on it, it was on the back of my mind. It was on the back of my mind. But yeah, I think he's one of those rare guys that got screwed by a unfair test that probably needs to have some tweaks before they start taking more people out of fights going forward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Josh Barnett, got a. it seems like he got a raw deal as well. I, it's weird, you know, because MMA fans don't always realize that USADA did not have a great name before joining forces with the UFC. It was a, a, a doping agency used a lot in boxing for Mayweather fights and it seemed like the stars were able to manipulate their own testing times and dates. It seemed like there was sketchiness involved with USADA. Then they go, you know, they go, they go real. They go big time with UFC and it feels like they're trying to nab everyone. And now we're seeing that, you know, maybe a few guys got a raw deal. It's a very interesting situation because we live in a world a lot of times, Brandon, where we're like, oh, well, everybody's using it anyway. And if you get caught, it's only because you screwed up. And this just kind of makes that theory murky when you find all these guys getting caught who probably didn't deserve to be. That's where you know. That's where right. it's it's a it's a muddy water. But let's talk about JDS because the the knee jerk reaction. First of all, I can't believe he's only thirty four. I swear I would have guessed like thirty seven, thirty eight right now at this point. But the knee jerk reaction is to be like, look, had a great run, was the champion, of course, knocked out Kane, good good stuff there. But you know what? Has never recovered from the subsequent losses to Kane, going deep into the fifth round, taking those beatings. And I'm sorry to say, but he's washed against the elite level. Sorry to say that, but then you actually look at his record. He's only lost to the elite level, right? Twice to Kane, once to Overeem by vicious knockout, and then I can't damn him for losing to current champion Stephen Miocic in their rematch. Where do you get a sense of him right now? Now, heavyweight is a, is a division where you can reinvent yourself. Let's not forget Andre Arlovsky ripped off like five wins in a row just two years ago. Is he done? Where I mean, you're never out of it at heavyweight. So one of the things that he mentioned to me was that for these top-level guys in UFC to be as successful as they are, they need to fight at least three times a year. And for the past couple of years, he's only been able to fight once, partly because of shoulder injuries and now because of USADA. So he thinks that if he is able to get a few fights under his belt this year, that he's going to get into more of a rhythm and we'll be right back in there for the heavyweight title mix. 
Now, to answer your question better, I think he's still there, but he's not going to be the number one contender anytime soon. To me, he's still in the top five, but that speaks more to how weak the heavyweight division is right now. But I still think of him as a top five fighter. Like you said, his only losses are to Kane, Alistair, and Stipe. Even though that those wars took a lot out of him, and it seems like he kind of lost his chin a little bit, especially against Stipe at 211, I think that Junior is going to come back and he's going to be a top-level fighter again. It might not be right now, but it might be in a couple of years. Yeah, because 34, I mean, that's young. A guy, you can you can reinvent yourself and stay relevant, you know, pushing 40, sometimes even beyond at heavyweight. He does have a style that you would think would keep him around. With a with a big right hand, you're always going to be in the game. You know, one of the best boxers, pure boxers we've seen in heavyweight MMA for, for a long time. But the chin issue is going to resurface. I don't even think he deserved to be in that 211 rematch. They did the rematch for the name power, and man, did he get waxed quickly. He's going to have to prove that he can still take the big shot, that he can still endure. You just, man, if you could do it over, not like you'd ever just say, hey, they should have stopped that first Kane fight after the third round when it was clear JDS couldn't win. Like, you never want to say that because it's not true, right? A big puncher is always going to be in the fight. But, man, did he take a lot of extra rounds of punishment that have only seemingly been negative for his career for those two, you know, Kane part two and Kane part three. Tough to see. Tough to see that, right? Yeah. And, by the way, on that 211 card, Steve, uh, I'm sorry, Junior was very – adamant in saying that he was hurting Stipe with those leg kicks in the first round before he got clipped by that right hook. Yeah. So for whatever that's worth, he thought he thought he was doing well and was sticking to his game plan as well as he could before he got dropped. But, you know, it's, it's tough because a year earlier against Ben Rothwell, I mean, he looked completely reborn. Obviously, that was a style matchup that, that clearly favored him. But we'll see what he can do against I mean, your boy, Blagoy. And like we said, heavyweight <laughs> is so thin, and we know this man, that all you're going to need is a change at the top, right? Let's say DC beats Stipe, and suddenly, hey, DC-JDS might not be a bad fight, you know, a year and a half from now, for all we know. We, you never know what's going to happen in this division. It's all over the place. But speaking of heavyweights, very interesting chat coming up next. With a guy who made a lot of negative headlines, starting to make some positive ones, we're going to find out soon if he really can fight. That's Greg Hardy, former NFL defensive end. Get a chance to talk to him. Enjoy. Talk to me a little bit about this transition for you going from NFL defensive end to now trying to be an MMA fighter. Oh, it's crazy. You know, um, a lot of humbling moments, a lot of just learning opportunities, and basically a lot of time to just, you know, work on myself and become a better person, which will help me come become a better athlete and a better fighter. What's your, uh, who's, who would you say is your biggest mentor here? The whole gym. And um, honestly, these guys, I've come here and these guys have uh, took me in and there was more than I could ask for, but on top of that, you know, they look after me. You know, everybody here teaches me and from, you know, the, the lovely women in Carp and Juice all the way to King Mo, all the way down to even just the uh, amateur fighters, man. And it's, it's, been, it's been a home for me and it's, it's been a wonderful experience. When did you move down? A year and a half ago. Yeah. yeah How do you like it? Been in the dome for a year and a half, man. It's just, uh, it's actually a whole lot better than football camp, <laughs> believe it or not. So, I mean, and I'm used to being in a dorm, uh, for long periods of time. So it's just been, it's been a wonderful experience getting to learn. How would you compare the training for this versus training for football camp or during the season? Nowhere near, man. This is a whole nother level. Yeah. Uh, this is, takes a whole lot of dedication, time, and, Moxie <laughs> to, to, to come here every day and do what you guys do. How would you, I mean, who would you think now you're trying to model yourself after? 
Um, I think right now I'm just because I'm so blessed in this situation in this environment. I think that I'm going to put together a style that you know combines everybody in the gym. You know the Andre Arlovskis, the um, Steve Brunos, the Billy Pattons. Um, I'm just trying to pull from you know everybody. King Mo with the wrestling, striking, man. and it's just you can build such a great model of a fighter from all the knowledge in this gym, and that's what I'm trying to do right now. What did you get from those three amateur fights? What kind of experience did you get? Honestly, I, just, I got, I got a, a lot of in-the-ring experience. You know, uh, it was my first time being in there. You know, Dean kind of told me. That's another guy that <laughs> definitely built in my game after Dean Thomas. But uh, honestly, it's just a lot of ring time and a lot of experience just being inside the ring, you know, getting comfortable in, in, between, the, um, in between the fences. Yeah. yeah. What's your relationship like with King Mo? Um, <laughs> that's my guy. <laughs> he's, uh, man, he's been a big help to me, man. Um, he pushes me. He's hard on me. Always there to help me. Always there to have my back, man. Spars with me, kicks my butt. You know, believe it or not, that's the first, the first pair of uh, Venom pair of gloves that I got. He, he gave them to me when I got here. You know, he saw my gloves. He was like, nah, you can't use those. <laughs> got me some gloves, man, and just, you know, been been on my shoulder the whole time I've been here, you know, keeping me away from the, the bad, making sure I'm doing the right thing. How close do you think you are to getting into the UFC? Uh, I'm one contender series fight away. Yeah. I feel I feel like I can put on a, uh, a, a big enough debut to where Dana would be comfortable giving me a, a shot. Yeah. Yes, sir. Who do you think would be your, your favorite fight to make with a UFC fighter right Even now? if it's not the first one? Yes. Oh, you want the first, the no, first no, no, fight? No, 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 no. Uh, not the first fight. Not oh, the first fight. Okay. Who would you, who would you most want to see out oh. of anybody in the heavyweight division? I'd say I want to fight either Francis or Derek right now. Really? Yeah. I feel like that'd be fun. <laughs> Just to go in there and just throw as much as you can. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, heavyweight heavyweight collision, man. And uh, you know those I, and those guys are skilled, man. Those yeah. guys are. Everybody says they're um, just punches, but those guys have a lot of skills. And I know they've been working hard since you know the last times they, that they have fought because of the ridicule that they've gotten. So I just feel like by the time I get there, it'd be a, a hell of a fight. Would you ever have any interest in a Brock Lesnar fight? I would love a Brock Lesnar <laughs> fight. It'd be an honor, you know, to get to kick his butt. I'd, I love it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate yes, it. Thank you for having me, brother. Appreciate it. Yes, I appreciate it. All right, B-Wise. We know that Hardy will be on that UFC contender series on June 12th. We know that he's going to face off against former NFL player Austin Lane. Do we have any idea, though, that he can actually fight? Now, I say this. You're going to have a, a feature on him on CBSSports.com. You, you were in camp. You got to talk to some people. What's the overall feeling on how quickly through three amateur fights he's been able to make this transition? So they they are very up on him. I mean, as a guy who has really no fight background whatsoever, he has learned so much in the last year and a half ever, ever since moving down to ATT and living in Coconut Creek out of the dorms up there. They really think that with a few fights under his belt, he can quickly rise. He um, his coach, Dean Thomas, compared him best to Francis Ngannou. And we saw how quickly that guy was able to rise through the ranks and get his own title shot. So if if uh, if Greg is able to win on this contender series and do so in a thrilling fashion to earn a, 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 a contract, I really think that we could see him moving quickly through the rankings. Because again, like we mentioned before, the heavyweight division is so weak right now, and they are so desperate for something to happen and get some big names up there that – he could easily move through the ranks within four fights probably and be up there for a big-name fight yeah. within two years. I mean, that is the sad reality. If he look, if he's any bit of good, 
then it's like you know they'll protect him up to a point and then throw him into a title fight because there would be nobody else. You know that. You know that's where we're at with the UFC right now. That's certainly where we're at with the heavyweight division. Here's the key part of where a lot of people are going to have skepticism. And I'm separating this from the skepticism of his personal stuff. I want to get to that in a second. But just from that idea of making the transition, like Nganu had a boxing background, though, right? And right. can clearly fight. Brock Lesnar had a legitimate Division One NCAA champion wrestling background. You mentioned it off the top. This kind of feels like a CM Punk transition only in the sense that Hardy doesn't have a pure high-level fighting, you know, foundation to lay on to make this change. He may be a freak athlete, and that may help him. That certainly helped the other two names I just mentioned. But what are you going to fall back on? When it gets dirty in there, right? We don't know if he has a chin yet. King Mo talks highly about him on this show. But even he says, look, we're not sparring full 100% in there. I don't know if he has a chin. I hope we find that out against Austin Lane. Maybe that's something you can't sort, you can't get just by asking some people. We're going to have to see that inside the cage. Obviously, yeah. We haven't seen him fight anybody of note, right? I mean, he's fought three amateurs who had no idea what they were getting into when they fought him. And he's only had a total of two minutes and 22 seconds of ring time. Like, you're not going to learn anything from a fighter that quickly. So the one thing that was of note that I found interesting was what uh, his coach said about being a heavyweight. So, you know, he plays football and he has this great athleticism. But he said that the only reason that it has a chance to work is because it's at heavyweight and the fighters are not going to be a lot quicker than him and know the angles better and be able to wrestle him down to the ground as easily. So he has that to lean back on. And, of course, he has a lot of power. I mean, playing in the NFL for that long and being it, having to move your hands that quickly and that often, you're going to develop some strength. And that's only gotten better in the last year and a half. Yeah, I mean, he's going he's gonna to be behind the ball, certainly in terms of technique, timing, and all that. But you hope if he has a, a glimmer of that, of that Brock Lesnar type of quick twitch, Quick twitch, however you want to say it, explosiveness. Brock didn't make it in the NFL, of course, but he had NFL explosion. Like, that was clear. He had that, like, snap your fingers and explode type of athleticism. You hope for Hardy's sake he can combine that with a good right hand, and we'll see what happens. Obviously, Austin Lane doesn't sound like the stiffest test, you know, trying to make his own conversion from football. Hey, it's an interesting thing for the UFC to gamble on right now, and certainly the the elephant in the room is the domestic violence problems in the past and the negative headlines. How quickly was the ATT folk in accepting him and willing? Did you get a sense of that? So, Dean Thomas actually sounded like he was still a little bit conflicted about it because, of, obviously, there's a lot going on with domestic violence in this country right now, and he's not a great role model for it. But he also did say that the team doesn't really know who they, these athletes are outside of the MMA world. Like They live in this bubble where they aren't able to focus on any other major sports because they are so focused on training and watching fights and everything. So he gets to the gym and nobody really knows who he is. He's just this big guy that's in there now training with the heavyweights. So he said that transition really wasn't that difficult. Those guys really accepted him. They treated him just like he was any other fighter and has helped him gain confidence and gain strength and his weaknesses since he's gotten there. Yeah, that's going to be interesting because there's, you know, I mean, this is America. We love second chance stories and redemption stories. And if Hardy can have success and say the right things and do the right things along the way, he will pull in a certain of that audience that wants to see the redemption. 
while at the same time have the other half of the audience that will cheer wildly when he finally steps up to the level of competition that will get him knocked out. And eventually, Brandon Wise, you feel like that's going to happen. Happens to everybody in MMA, right? There's no we, – we know there's just no happy endings in combat sports, right? Oh, there, there is never a happy ending in combat sports. But to what you were saying before, this is really a no-lose proposition for the UFC, right? Like, they don't have to pay him that much right now to get started since he's obviously fighting for a contract. And if it works out, they're going to make millions off him on pay-per-view. That is true. Very very low risk in that regard. I'm, I'm sure he's not making a ton of money to fight on the uh, on this UFC Contender Series. Is this what, what is UFC Contender Series? Is this Dana White looking for a fight rebranded? What, 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 where are we at with this? Pretty much. This is uh, this is actually the full name is Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. So they, this is what many people think is going to actually become the new uh, Ultimate Fighter, where it's a lot easier for them to deal with. It's not a, a huge commitment where you have guys fighting for two or three months at a time. It's just basically show us what you got, and if you're good enough, we're, we'll give you the job. I, I guess it's like a triple A system connected to the. To the big, it's not bad. It's not, but not a bad idea, you know, altogether. Let's, let's see what they have with him. Well, well done, Brandon Wise, collecting that great sound for this show. And of course, I couldn't let you go without getting your thoughts on UFC Fight Night Liverpool Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern from the Echo Arena. We heard King Mo's prediction before, but when Stephen Thompson and Darren Till face off for in some ways, maybe the number one contendership spot for the next title shot after the winner of that interim one finally faces Woodley. Who knows what's going to happen there? Who do you like? Is it is it really Darren Till's time? Yeah, I think I'm going to ride with Darren Till on Whoa. this one. I, I love Steven Thompson, but I really can't get past how well Darren Till has looked in his first few fights. Nobody does that to Donald Cerrone the way that he did. And I just think Darren Till is going to come out guns blazing in front of his home fans. He's going to be jacked up fight in front of his home guys and he's just going to put it on him. You know, it's very rare that like that matters, right? That like the home field advantage matters. Sometimes in Brazil for the right fighter it does and you feel like in this situation with of course that area of of the globe so hungry for combat sports in general and everybody wanting Till to be I guess that next McGregor, the next guy in line, that 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 could be that could be an advantage. But man, if you, you this these are the times that I love UFC matchmaking because this is deep end of the pool against Stephen Thompson. This is okay, Darren, tell you for real because you know if UFC wanted to, they could they could stretch this out, milk a few more headlining roles out of Till, built him up a little more. But the, but this is no, this is this is go time. You want to be a title contender, you go in there against a Swiss Army knife like Stephen Thompson, and you figure it out. You figure out if your right hand is for real. Man, if he stop, I mean, if you stop Stephen Thompson, you are ready for a title shot right now. You know this. I think. I mean, for as much as we talk about them rocketing these guys up so quickly, I really think that this kid is legit. I mean, Israel Adonijah is going to fight on the ultimate uh, ultimate fighter finale in a fight that a lot of people think that he's being pushed way too quickly for. I think Till is a different breed. I think he's more of that McGregor mold where. We've seen him fight. He hasn't really fought with American eyes on him yet that much, but I think Till is going to be legit at 170. I can't wait to find out. In closing here, I got Dylan Danis favor right now. D- Dylan Danis. What are we what are we calling this guy, all right? We, I, we, <laughs> I got the fever right now because certain trash talk guys turn me off. Certain trash talk guys make me want to watch more in every second. Is this guy's jujuts, as they say? Like, like 
end a fight at any time against anyone of any skill set? Like, is this guy, is this the real? I know that even in that one-minute fight he had in his Bellator debut, he got tagged a couple times before he put that jabron into uh, into Nibar City or, or Foothold or whatever he put on there. But do total, you get total. the... You get the taste right now that 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 this is uh you know tune in this is not like James Gallagher Conor McGregor part 2 this is something different something special. See he's one that I'm pumping the brakes on. <laughs> he's had one fight. He had no amateur. He had he took all the time in the world he could to get his skills right, but still like you said he took shots in that fight. He wasn't just standing there and not uh and avoiding shots at will. He took licks, and he still managed to get the, the toehold, obviously. But I don't know. I, I'm still skeptical. I'm skeptical of all those Bellator prospects right now. Aaron Pico looks fantastic. But he got knocked out in, like, 20 seconds in his debut. Tapped. Yeah, he tapped. But, yeah, get knocked down and tapped, no doubt. I mean, that, that, that was talking about the air coming out of the balloon moment. And Bellator's got a few of these guys, though, from Gallagher to MVP, where you're like – I don't know. Are they for real? I mean, we'll see MVP this weekend. It's, 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 but man, out of all that group, I want to see Dylan Dennis now. And, and it feels like he wants to see himself now. I mean, when you call out Ben Askren after your first fight, whoa, you got my attention. You got my attention, right? Easy, easy, young blood. Easy. As wow. the kids say. I want to see how good his jujutes is. Man, imagine against somebody like, I just want to see Askren in general. I want to see Askren against Rory under the Bellator banner. Make it happen, Scott Coger. Do the right thing. Well, Come on. Well, what do you think is the best fight for him right now? Who? Who are we talking about here? Dennis. Oh, certainly not someone of that level. We just saw him take shots against a nobody. <laughs> like, you gotta, you gotta round out your game, but he seems to be that bold. And if the thinking is that his one skill is so much better and more advanced than even elite level MMA guys, then it's like, well, I want to see that one skill in action, right? Like when Ben Askren first started fighting for Bellator, he had no striking game, but the wrestling was so good that it didn't matter. I want to see right now if, if Dennis is in that category. But doesn't that make you worry that he might be another Damian Maya where he just has no stand-up whatsoever? No, and because th- maybe it's the nostalgic <laughs> factor in me, but I love the one-dimensional old-school fighters. I love that Maya is still tinkering around. I know he's he's probably fading away now, but just last year he was tinkering around on the title level with one skill. I, I just I love that. I love uh, uh, an old Dan Henderson with the right hand and nothing else. Just saying, hey, I'm still in this fight. I, you know, that's just that's just me. You don't have to, you don't have to agree with that. That's fine. I mean, I just think that the game is way too advanced at this point to have these quote-unquote dinosaurs running around where you can only do one thing, and then if you can't do that one thing in a fight, you're done. <laughs> That's why we watch those styles, make fights. Give me a give me a style matchup with one guy having one skill. I'm all over it. We will follow the Dylan Danis story as it evolves. But Brandon Wise, thank you so much for joining us and sharing this great sound. 